we're doing our part, but again, at the end of the day, it's for us, we just kind of lean in and say, mm-hmm. okay, it's not our work, it's yours, God. Today on Doing Good, the podcast, doing the most good. That's the promise. That's the brand of the Salvation Army, an international organization that is doing everything they can to meet a lot of needs with fewer resources than ever before. It's kind of the story for a lot of do-gooders during the pandemic, right? Well, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, the Doing Good gang had some questions. What's caused this movement founded more than a century and a half ago to not just survive, but thrive? We wanted to know how this iconic brand for doing good around the planet got started and grew into the international powerhouse that it is today. You know, what are they doing right and what can we learn from it? And what about those red kettles and those jingling bells? Hey, we even jumped in ourselves and experienced firsthand what it's like to be on the front line of a brigade armed with love. It was amazing. We think after hearing this episode, you might just think twice before you ever walk past a red kettle without emptying your pockets and doing it with a smile. Hi, everyone. My name is Susanna. And I'm Elijah. Welcome to Doing Good, the podcast where we and our parents talk about the good that's happening in our community and the people that are making those good things happen. So we actually just kind of sit here until we're told to talk, but we're actually the funny ones, so stick around and listen. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Doing Good, the podcast. Today, I'm here with my good friends, Josh Smith, Elijah Smith, Susanna Digby. Everybody's here. But How's only everyone one today? of us is wearing a, a festive electric sweatshirt. That she can't figure out how to turn the lights it, on. It has lights on it and it lights up somehow, but mm, that's too technologically advanced for me. I'm too old for this. Wait, you mean to tell me you don't know how to make your li- light up sweatshirt? <laughs> I'll find it eventually. I'm pretty sure it's on the hem of it that you have tucked and into I accidentally your you pants yourself. somewhere. As a, a dad, I'm thinking it's a, one of those. This is my dad brain working. This is one of those devices to alert you if your daughter is getting too close to someone of the opposite sex, so that if someone comes in for a, a, you know any sort of a it starts flashing, yeah, that it's like you'd have to be in the same room though to see it. Oh no, her dad, the Prince of Darkness, Doctor Justin, he can he gets a he, uh, oh a, he a, gets alert. a text a text through an app on his phone exactly. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Clothing that alerts the parent to bad activity. <laughs> How about that, Elijah? Okay. Would you like one of those for Christmas? It's like a, it's like a digital. <laughs> if it lights up, belt. if it lights up, yeah. How about if it lights up when you are into n- no good? Yeah. That's an excuse to do no good. So it can oh yeah. Oh, you okay. want to see it light up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the teenage <laughs> mind. <laughs> we can't really speak badly of these two because. Just this past week, what did they do? Community service. <laughs> yeah. Where were Charity. they? Yeah. A- outside the Hobby Lobby, ringing the Salvation <laughs> Army bell, and yeah. it felt so good to me. Were you in back? So tell everybody what happened, please, so we can. Well, we decided to jump in and be kettlebell ringers on Black Friday, which I thought, wow, Black Friday, that's some yeah. devotion. Yeah. Um, but Susanna and Elijah were at the Hobby Lobby, which I hear was hopping. Um, and then Josh and I were at the Belk at the mm-hmm. Johnson City Mall, mm-hmm. 
And I got the door where they're doing um, online orders and package pickup. Mm. So it was uh, so there wasn't a lot of foot traffic where I was, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of people driving by, and and then the store workers like you know bringing them their packages. <laughs> you hit up those store workers a lot for donations. Yeah, I just kind of kept looking at them, going, "This is my sidewalk. I own this sidewalk." But um, no, it was uh, it was a great experience, and I was pretty sure about 20 minutes into it that I was going to hear that bell when I was in in my sleep. (laughs) Did you? Yeah. No, I really didn't. I was a little bit worried about that. I figured out, like, at first I was holding the bell up and ringing it kind of close to my head. Oh, you were on it. Yeah, and then I figured out you got to kind of hold it down here and, (laughs) and ring it. So... And then about 30 minutes left in my two-hour shift, I was like, wow, this is dead. <laughs> so I turned on some Christmas music. On your phone. Yeah. And then it was easy because I was ringing my bell oh, in time to the Christmas yeah. music. Yeah. Well, you are a bell ringer. Don't you bell ring at church? Yes, I of... am in the in my church's handbell choir. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I play the really big bass bells oh, in okay. our my church handbell choir, or I have for the last couple of years. And um, yeah, ringing this team. Teeny tiny yeah, bell. It's cool. not the same. So, what was it like for you? Well, I haven't really heard any. I heard somebody <laughs> brought them Starbucks. Oh yes, <laughs> we okay, are so that spoiled. Is, that's a rules violation, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and then as they were getting their Starbucks, Antoine Yoakum, captain of the Salvation Army, our guest today, our guest today, busted them. Oh, we got to ask him about that because it was definitely a rule violation. Anyway, we we that was not the highlight of your time, I'm sure. Was when when a family friend? No, it was. was. Okay, it was it, it, it was a hundred percent the highlight of the time. <laughs> I mean, but we, what was that like? I mean, did it feel weird? Because I'll be honest with you. I'm used to sort of, I've gotten over feeling weird in front of other people. It just happens a lot in life. By the time you're almost, you know, you're 50, you just get used to it. Sure. I think we had to hit that curve really quickly and just feel comfortable where we were with people kind of looking at us and like giving us side eyes because mm-hmm. we were just silently asking for money, you know? Did you ask? Or no. Did you, just, mm-hmm. you asked? We yelled at everybody that passed by and they Yo! Give us money. Yeah. Give us money. Like, Get back here. We were extra aggressive with the bell ringing when someone just kind of walked past us. We Would just, you like, walk over and shake harder. the bell in their face? Yeah. I don't think that's <laughs> we, why. We played a little game quite. of like hot and cold, so the closer they got to the thing, the louder. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. We made it but very interesting. As, as bad as it was, you can imagine with one bell, we had two, two bells, and oh. they were not pitched the same. And yeah, were, so they were, were like, trying to ring in sync. Oh, it's such the percussion members. They were not they pitched just the sound, same. They sounded awful. So one's like yeah. ding 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 ding, the other one's ding 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 ding, and so they were yeah. at war. Okay, we charity charity out. is an amazing thing, but the sound of it. Hurts. It's is not as good. It's, it's like sausage. I was yep. wondering, though, I noticed in the pictures, my bell was red, and their bells were red. Your bell was silver. Well, Did you have your you own know, bell? I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. Oh, okay. <laughs> this adorable, sweet woman shows Gucci up. Bell. with a, And listen, this is something I want to encourage everybody to do. If, over, if you hear bell. this, and you have two hours... And you want to do some good. And we know if you're listening, if you're far this far into a podcast called Doing Good, right. you probably are interested in, you know, turning the beat around in this world where a lot of people aren't doing good. So, go to the Salvation Army Register website and register to ring a bell. It was so easy. Yeah. And it, it two hours went by pretty quickly. It was am- Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne's shaking her head. It was faster than work. It seemed, <laughs> it seemed faster. Work at Ingalls. 
Two hours ringing a bell for the Salvation Army faster or slower than two hours working at the checkout line at Ingalls. Seemed faster because it was new. New things usually seem faster. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. The two of you often are on the same line, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like the company helped at all. You were used to that. It was. Yeah, and not only were we used to that, we were used to the constant flow of people. S- mo- no, no a monotonous sound. Oh, the oh yeah. Beeping yeah. at angles. We're able to just drown that out, just like we were able to drown the bells out. And and interacting with people. Yeah. And like, in just like a, unfortunately, kind of, uh, prepared way, just like. Uh, thank yep. you for giving. Have a Merry Christmas. You know, being super friendly, Which, trying to be sincere, right trying to be sincere. But whenever you're, you know, seeing a bunch of people, you start saying the same thing over and over again. Unfortunately, yeah. I had a te- technique that I noticed worked a little bit that would come to giving money. I would go because I was near a door. I would pull the door open for people, oh, that was nice. and I would say, "Welcome to Belk. Merry Christmas." Uh, I, one last thing for you to have to touch, you know? Yeah. So we kind of got there in that moment because everybody now when they're going to the store, a lot of people I think feel like they're about to go into some sort of, you know, like. Uh, Hobby farm. They're, they're going, you know, like brace yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and, the, and and it seemed like that made them a little bit more willing to drop some coin in my bucket. Yeah, that was smart. Um did that work for anybody else? I was not that close to the door because okay. I, I, did you watch your preparatory video? I did. And yeah, they said, yeah. you know, don't get too close to the entrance. Right, yeah. And so, you it's know, aggressive. find a place. And I don't know that it was aggressive. I mean, I, I found a place. I was right on the edge of the curb, sort of, mm-hmm. in the middle between the entrance and the exit doors. Did you have to find a place to start it, or was there already yeah, something there? Yeah, because when I got there, they didn't even have my stand and my bucket out. Now, as I was, like, driving by slowly trying to figure out what I was supposed to do, because this was my first time as a bell ringer, um, and I'm not at the silver bell status oh, yet. Oh, yeah. Well, you yes. know, it takes a while. There you go. I um, <laughs> But I noticed inside, you know how, like, the store has two sets of doors? Um, I noticed that there was the kettle and the stand and the tripod Sitting, not the kettle, but the tripod and the yeah, sign, yeah. sitting inside the store. And so in between those two doors. So I went in, got it, set it up where I wanted it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I should. we should have known. You, you established your own personal. Yeah, no, I yeah. peed my circle around yeah, it. I'm yeah. like, my space. So we wanted you to do. a circle? I didn't really it? pee a circle. It's metaphoric. You would. You it's peed metaphoric. a circle? Yeah. Like, you know, if you're you laying claim to, if you're a cave person, you're laying claim to something. Or if you're a dog and you're so laying claim to something. So they would pee a circle around their property? <laughs> yeah. You've All never right. heard that expression? <laughs> Time to adopt caveman methods. <laughs> You've never heard that expression? No. I'm going to start doing that with my clothes so my brother can't steal it. really is disturbing. Pee on all of them. You know why we, <laughs> do you know why we did this? Because I thought before we interview, before we interview uh, and meet, who's a, a good friend of mine, I've known him for a while, at least, well, more than a year since he moved to Johnson City from Georgia, Captain Antoine Yoakum, who you guys are going to love. He's awesome. And he's yeah. coming in a moment. Um, yeah, we met him for like two minutes and he was... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He was super. I thought to myself, this would be a good chance for us to get to some exposure and some experience about 
the Salvation Army, you know, yeah, which is oh, a name I've heard on my life. Yeah. I thought it was genius that you, um, you know, set us up to have some experience so that we could have an intelligent conversation with Antoine. Well, and we're going back again, friends. Yeah. We've got another one book. But I thought we could also, I could play a game with you guys this morning before we have Antoine in. Oh, Real we're doing quickly. the game before? Well, this is just for you guys. This is yes or no, or true or false. It's a true or false game about the Salvation Army. Okay. 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 See how test your knowledge of the Salvation Army. Okay. So true or false? The founder of the Salvation Army was named William Booth. False. I think that's true. That's too specific not to be true. I say true. True. It was William Booth. Oh, he's all over there, like <laughs> test analytics. Okay. True or false? The uh, no. P- pick one. A. The Salvation Army was founded in A. Paris, France. B, New York City. C, London. England. <laughs> As opposed to Kentucky. I'm going C, London. Susanna? I'll go B. B, which was New York? New York. C, London. The answer is C, London. Elijah's just going with mom. <laughs> That's Maybe. a smart move, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The original name of the Salvation Army was A, the Red Kettle Army. B, the Salvation Brigade, or C, the Christian Mission? That's a tough one. A. I'm going to say C. I'm going B. B, the Salvation Brigade, your, the Christian Mission. How about you, Susanna? A the was Red, Red Kettle, Kettle Army. Army. was the first one, A. B is Salvation Brigade, and B, C is Christian Mission, which was the original name of the Salvation Army. Christian Mission? I'm going to say C. I said A. I said B. Salvation Brigade. It is C, the Christian mission. Yeah. Ah, okay. So who was the first convert of the Salvation Army in London? Was it A, C.S. Lewis, the author? B, a prostitute? Or C, the King of England? Quit cheating. You're looking at my notes. No, I actually wasn't. You I was, really can't I was, read my writing. Was it A, C.S. Lewis? B, a prostitute, or C, the King of England. B. Oh, yeah, I'm going prostitute. B. And by the way, can we just say this is the first time we've used the word prostitute on doing good the podcast? Okay. Talking about. I just talked about pee in a circle. Or okay. Stuff. Well, that was the first like time we talked about, about urine on doing good the podcast. Okay. <laughs> well, we have a lot of firsts today, Becky. <laughs> okay. What's next? So, who did you choose? I said B. B. I said B also. Oh, prostitute. How about you? Be. Okay, ding, 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 B, the prostitute. And by the way, uh, th- you know, they're converts. The first one I can't say for sure was a prostitute, but they really did reach out to prostitutes, the street people of London. Sure. But I just thought prostitute was a, a, a good one. A good and when the, and there were plenty. Oh, it was unbelievable because the Salvation Army was started in A, 1890, B, 1920, C, 1852, or D, 1780. I'm going 1852, so that's C. Okay. Cheater, you're looking at my notes. You can't. I'm still not looking at it. Okay, I, okay. I can't read what you okay. write. I'm going to say 1852. Okay. So C. It couldn't have been the 1700s. I'll say C. It's 1852. Ding, 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 ding. You guys are on a roll. Okay, one more. How about it feels very Dickensian to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. And it was out of that. Now, okay. Fun fact along the way. I thought this was fascinating. We're out of time. We need to get ready for Antoine. Okay. And you will love this. So at this time, women were not allowed to preach. True. Women were not allowed to 
I've left churches for that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, then you would love the fact that William Booth's wife, Catherine, was empowered. Catherine Booth? By the pulling out of the, you know, they kind of left. They were kind of like the church was not doing what they felt was a sufficient job of reaching out to the well, people. Well, and I think that they were Presbyterian, weren't they? Or one of those. And and Catherine becomes a very well-known preacher before women were allowed to become speakers within the church. Fascinating. And their daughter, Evangeline Booth, this is, by the way, there's this website called Google. Evangeline Booth comes to the U.S. and really becomes the, the the leader of the Salvation Army in the United States and brings the Salvation Army to the U.S. Isn't that fascinating? Pretty interesting. And here's the final thought. Evangeline Booth started this movement within World War One. A, the Red Cross. B, the Donut Girls. C, the Salvation Army Red Kettle campaign. Let me say C. Though I kind of want it to be... The Donut Girls? I want it to be the Donut Girls, but I'm going to say... Okay, you're choosing the Red Kettle campaign. You're there saying Evangeline made the Donut Girls. Okay. I'm going to have to go see. The Red Kettle campaign. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Susanna is correct. It's the the Donut donut Girls. girls. (laughs) Susanna Digby does love a good donut. So I think... I I think this was like literally like a a movement where they were... That they would come out to the front lines and they would give donuts to all the soldiers. Heck yeah. Interesting. And they call them Donut Girls, which... Does that term that, that that would not necessarily be what we would call them today? I think is the donut oh, no, girl. they'd probably be the donut uh, girls. Anyway, All right, well, booth. so we should go in now. Anything more vulgar? <laughs> What's that? If not anything more vulgar, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> that being said, we want to welcome our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, having his debut entrance on to doing good the podcast. Captain Antoine Yoko. Hi, Captain Yoko. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming on um, Doing Good the Podcast and talking about the work that the Salvation Army is doing. And, um, you know, as you were coming in today, my daughter looked at me and goes, why is he so dressed up? (laughs) <laughs> and so I said it's to her, uniform. I said, that's his uniform. I said, it's the Salvation Army. Army. And so he has a uniform that he has to wear. So um, and would you like to take a minute to educate my 17-year-old on that? <laughs> you, you know, uh, when, when, it comes to our, when it comes to our dress in the Salvation Army, um, we wear a uniform. And, you know, in the Salvation Army, we are a Christian organization, a Christian church. We're, I like the movement. I like to call us a movement better because we don't just identify as a worshiping community, but we're a movement who does good in the community. And our uniform, simply put, is an expression of our faith. So um, you'll see two S's on our shoulders, which means we're saved to serve. Um, And you'll see the epaulets with stars, which simply... Uh, one star is a lieutenant, two stars is a captain. You'll see a crest on a major's shoulders. And really, internally, it just identifies how long we've been operating in the capacity of an officer. I'm Captain Yoakum officially, but generally I introduce myself as Antoine. I was Antoine long before I became a captain. Um, but I'm dressed up, uh, you know, just because it's it's what we wear. Um, we put our best foot forward. Um, we strive for excellence in all that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to know what I'm going to wear every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you and Bill Gates. I, not, I mean, you and 
Steve Jobs. Oh yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Uniforms, uh, you know, get a bad rap, but I, I think it's a great way to go because uh, it helps when you smile a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you yeah. can wear anything then. <laughs> you can wear anything, and you could too, my friend. Because I want to tell you, when you rolled into Johnson City, once it's been almost two years, yeah. right? Um, I have always enjoyed meeting and working with the folks at Salvation Army locally. This mm-hmm. was always just such a parade of amazingly great yeah. people. But you have a personality uh, that uh, uh, kind of uh, is is remarkable, oh, I think. You. And you you draw you draw friends really quickly. Thank you. And a lot of us with the smile, and a lot of it's a, you could tell it's a real joy you feel. Thank you. So well, you it's, know, it's not a, just a job for you. I can tell. I, I'll tell you, Josh. You know, my wife and I we stand on the shoulders of some godly people, and you know, there's been a lot of people that have come before us who have really set the stage very well for us. And so, thank you for those compliments. It's um, the truth. Humbly, thank you for those, but. You know, um, I, I believe that if you lead with who you are and you stay true to that, then the rest will take care of itself. Okay, so who are you? <laughs> you who, came, who am I? You came here from Georgia, right? Listen, that's a loaded question. How much time do we have? Um, I, I'm from Kentucky. Born really? and raised in central okay. Kentucky, Boyle County, Kentucky. Um, moved to uh, Clearwater, Florida for about a year in preparation for the seminary training college in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. All Salvation Army officers in the southeast East United States, they go through Atlanta. And so that's where we have a training college where we undertake practical ministry studies, uh, homiletics. Uh, we just kind of prepare for ministry. There's practical ministry trainings where we learn how to administrate and get basic tools. And so after my two years in Atlanta at the training college, my first assignment was actually in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I, we wound up living in Atlanta for about six years. Um, and so after uh, our assignment in Atlanta, we were appointed to beautiful Johnson City, uh, which was a welcome change. It's closer to home. It's more like home. We're small town people. You know, we like slow pace. Um, and so, so yeah, that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. And I don't know how much more you want to well, know about me. Well, how did you get me, called to the Salvation Army? Yeah. Because I don't think that se- that's not a, a yeah. career track that... I yeah. think most of us understand how it even works. They're not sitting there in, in high school going, and eh, you could join yeah. the Salvation Army. Yeah, they, that's <laughs> right. a wonderful question, Josh. And you're right. It, it's 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 not a, a career track. It's a calling. Okay. Um, you know, and, you know, for me, my mother raised my two brothers and I in the Salvation Army Church in the worshiping community. Oh, wow. Okay. And so my roots are in the Salvation Army, um, having been, uh, my faith has been formed in a Salvation Army sanctuary over many years. And. Um, my past, you know, having been raised in a single mother home, you know, uh, working through a lot of issues personally. And, uh, you know, I've been formed in a way that I, I want to give back. I want to serve other people. And I think all things happen for a reason. And naturally, uh, when I, when I finished my undergraduate degree in social work from Eastern Kentucky University, I went into child welfare, um, my 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 big goal was to to get my license. I want to be a licensed uh, social worker and and open up my own practice and do family therapy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help uh, at risk uh, uh, teens and youth and just help build family structures. I I believe a real problem in our society is that the family unit has deteriorated mm-hmm. and continues to. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's my passion: working with people mm-hmm. and helping others mm-hmm. uh, achieve and grow and find quality of life. And anyway, um, long story short, shorter, I guess I. I should say uh, we found ourselves, my wife and I, probably three or four years after I started working for the state of Kentucky as a social worker doing uh, in child investigations and abuse. So I was a child services worker and seeing awful things yeah. and um, 
it was where I was supposed to be, but it takes the right person to do that kind of work. And anyway, the Lord was started tugging on my heart and just kind of opened up my eyes to full-time ministry in the Salvation Army. And mm-hmm. as a Salvation Army officer, I literally get to do all the things that I wanted to do with credentials, mm-hmm. right? I, I sit next to, next to the suffering and the hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, I comfort them. I uh, we help prevent homelessness by paying light bills. You know, you know, I get to do it at a high level. I get to make sure that our operation is working in a way that we can still provide those needed services. Mm-hmm. I can walk across the street from my office and walk into shelter and put a hand on somebody's shoulder and, and let them know it's going to be okay. So that's kind of like my background of how I got involved with the Salvation Army and where I find myself today. Um, I consider myself a change agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a high motor naturally. I can't sit still most of the time. And it really couples well with the Salvation Army's work where there's so many things to do and so many things to put our hands to. And so it's probably why it works out so well um, that I'm involved with this ministry because the work never stops. You know, there's there's always something else to do. Um, and you, you like know, that. I, I enjoy that. You, you know, I, I need to be doing something. Um, and I think. Again, I think it's part of why I'm wired the way I am. I want to make things better. You know, I, I'm sitting here and uh, honest to goodness, my mind is being blown, right? Because I think <laughs> the average person, right, on the street um, thinks about the Salvation Army and they think about two things, yeah. right? They think about, one, the thrift store, thrift store. okay? <laughs> and yeah. two, they think about those kettles That's and right. the bell ringers. That's right. And I don't know that they understand the depth yeah. and um, the complexity and really the breadth of the work. That that Salvation Army does. Like for me right now, just thinking about the fact that this is a active worshiping community. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, I'm I'm a little floored. That you can grow up in the in the church. That you can grow up going to the Salvation Army Church every Sunday. Yeah. And I I got to think about what a rich worshiping experience that must be, mm-hmm. because I think you're pulling from people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. right? I go to a church, um, a, a well-established denomination, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's the same. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Everybody's the same. Yeah. We do the same thing every week. Sure. And I like it. I do because I find comfort in it and solace in Absolutely. it. And the rhythm of things kind of kind of helps me to ground for the week to mm-hmm. come. Um, but this would be a really powerful worship experience because you're going to be with people from all walks of mm-hmm. life. You're going to be with people whose skin is different colors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be with people with different political views. Sure. You're, I, and now I want to go to the Salvation Army Church. Good job, <laughs> Captain Antoine. So you grew up worshiping beside homeless people, I would think. I, I did. You know, in Danville, Kentucky, the community looks a lot different than Johnson City, but we certainly would. Um, uh, uh, many of our congregation members were the marginalized. They were those who are often looked past, um, mm-hmm. who don't get a second glance. And um, it, what that does, what that has done for me, it's created a sense of gratitude and thankfulness for where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a desire to help those. Um, but it can go a different way. Yeah. I mean, you could grow up an African-American male in central Kentucky, yeah. the child of a single mother, mm-hmm. and it can take a different path forward. Sure. You could grow up in any demographic yeah. in a broken home. Yeah. And I hope that's not an offensive term. No, not I, at I all. hear it used that way. Not at but, all. And it could go, so wh- what happened? Uh, I would imagine yeah. you, you would consider it a spiritual mo- uh, mm-hmm. factor, but... You 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 looked at it and said, "I want to make a change." That's right. So what happened? You know, um, I think there's a lot of grace that comes into my story. Um, you know, and um, you know, I, I think I could be in a million different places today, really. And you know, 
Um, not every day is easy for me as a Salvation Army officer. In fact, most days are very taxing. Um, however, I think it's really by the grace of God that I have found myself in a position where I get to do these type of things as a Salvation Army officer. Um, and, you know, I, I, I probably not answer your question very good, but I think that's what's happened to me. And, and when I mentioned that aha moment, um, uh, it wasn't an audible voice, but, you know, through a lifetime of faith and growing in Christ and my relationship with him, you know, I think he made it abundantly clear to me um, in that summer in 2013 that, uh, or excuse me, 2011, that I was supposed to be a Salvation Army officer. You know, it's like you know, all the things you want to do, Antoine, you want to love people. You want to serve the community. You want to uh, make the kingdom larger. You want to expand the kingdom. Well, you can do that as Salvation Army officer. And and I'll put some restraints on you, but I'm going to allow you to use your skill sets. I'm going to allow you to be exactly who you are. And I think that's where I'm at today, and that's how I kind of came in this, this direction. Um, I think this is something that was happening um, – from the day that I was born, you know, the Bible tells us that he knew us right in the mm-hmm. womb. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. It's a, it's an, a large amount of grace that God has given me. And that, that that's what has found me where I'm at today. Mm. What's your favorite work in the Salvation Army? Oh, that's tough. Hmm. Uh, my favorite work. You mean like service or what do I like to do the most? Well, I think you can answer that question any <laughs> okay. way you want, Captain. Um, well, I, I think I like to strategize. I, I like I like casting vision and I like uh, uh, setting the goals and objectives. I like galvanizing communities, um, those who want to do good. Um, and I think that's why um, I find so much excitement in knowing that my work is never going to be done, because that means that's something else that I get to manipulate and try to leverage for good. And, and so and really, I strategize in every day. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I get up and I'm looking at my, my to-do list and what I've accomplished and what we've been able to do. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, what's next? And, you know, you talk about our Red Kettle campaign and the thrift store, mm-hmm. you know, in our, in our worship community. Well, those are all vital components of our overall mission, of our overall movement. Mm-hmm. And so in our in our family store, when I got here, the store had just moved locations after 10 years in one spot. Mm-hmm. Well, what that did to our foot traffic was dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, and anybody who knows anything about the Salvation Army intricately knows that all the proceeds from our store support our social services. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what makes the Salvation Army unique in that literally any dollar that you donate to us, about 86, 87 percent of those dollars go right back into our programs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always strategizing with the store. Right. You know, what do we need to do to increase production? What right. do I need to do to get the word out so that people can really feel good about donating their goods, so that people can really feel good about shopping in our stores? Right. Um, with the shelter, how can we be more efficient in our social services? You know, what kind of questions should we be asking of those who come in our doors for services? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and yeah. what that does, when I strategize like that, when I get in front of a camera or I'm sitting on a podcast, I can feel confident in the story that I'm telling. Mm-hmm. Because that's one thing that I believe that is most important about doing good is being transparent to who you are. Sure. And so every day when I get up, I know that I'm working towards a goal that's honest, it's positive, and it's good. Right. And it's God-honoring, most importantly. Um, so I think that's what I like doing the most. I, I like strategizing. Mm. You know, I like coming up with a plan, and sure. I like going after the plan. Yeah. That makes you a leader. That's, uh, I think, why you're so good at your job. Uh, so I, I met you, right, uh, we were starting to talk about Christmas a year ago. Mm. And you came in the room, and um, and you had this plan, <laughs> and oh, you did, <laughs> and it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great plan. But then the pandemic. <laughs> I, I called it scribbling, but it's a plan. I'll <laughs> <laughs> and it was for the red kettle, and it worked, and it was great. And then the pandemic hits, and yeah. everything changes. Mm-hmm. And so here you are with this idea of doing the most good, yeah, and 
every opportunity that you all are in the business of of touching people that's right connecting people mm-hmm. literally getting up in the face of somebody who mm-hmm. has need and helping them mm-hmm. and now we're being told to stay six feet apart yeah and don't come in the building and all this stuff what was that like for you and and as you walk out of 2020 as mm-hmm. we're moving toward christmas and new year what what are, what are some things you picked up as you try to do the most good yeah in the world that's saying even getting close to each other is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Um, <laughs> where do I start? I, I tell you, you know, with, with the, with, with COVID, you know, the birth of COVID and, you know, and kind of dealing with the new normal social distancing, you know, and all the parameters that we have in place, the extensive cleaning protocols and stuff like that. I think what I've gotten from 2020 is that um, there's always a way to serve. Right. And and, you know, even we just opened up our dining room again for the first time yesterday since March. And, you know, we've got all our shields up. The tables are spaced out. You know, we're pre 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 plating the meals. Normally they'd come through the line and, you know, we it's 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 a more of a servant model that way. But at any rate, what we've done now is, OK, it's it's much too cold to leave people outside and hand them a box. <laughs> so. We put in the parameters, we put up the shields, we space out the tables, we clean the tables after every person eats and gets up and moves on, and we trust God for that. And I don't want to over-spiritualize, you know, the trust in God, but we are a faith organization, yeah. you know, and, and there's a measure of faith that's going to go into anything we do, pandemic or not. And so 2020 has taught us that we have to lean in on the Lord more, you know, and, and, and you know, me as a leader, as a leader, um, I think that's... Excuse me. I, I think that's really what I've had to um, kind of hold on to more when there's when there's when there's no plan or strategy that's going <laughs> to <a> remedy, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you know, kind of as a, as a change agent, um, you know, that's what I hold to. I hold the plans and goals. Okay. You, you know, when I wake up in the morning after I have my coffee and I and I set my course for the day, that's what I'm looking at. Right. What do I need to check off the box? But, you know, pandemic, you know, those things are kind of out the window. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that plan's kind of up in the air. Yeah. You know, and so I, I lean in more, and that's what we've done. And, and so we, we're smart, and we follow the guidelines. You, you know, we, we take CDC recommendations, and even our local health team, they do a call twice a week, and we listen in, and we do what we can. You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, with the Salvation Army, we don't get to run, tuck and run. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's one of those things with our homeless shelter, with our feedings. You know, we don't get to just close up shop. Well, you're an army, we're right? An army. <laughs> the army doesn't get to just say, yeah, we're done. The pandemic's here. We're not going to defend our borders. It's okay. You know, in a, work, in a world where people are sending employees home because it's not safe for them yeah. to be together, you're having to be responsible yeah. for employees and volunteers mm-hmm. and go, yeah. I, I got to go to bed at night knowing I did everything I could do. And let me just say, you know, and, and I try to do this, and, and I, this is the narrative of my leadership that I'm working on doing a, a lot better is, you know, I have to commend our staff, you, you know, and, you know, I'm the face. A lot of people see me and, you know, I'm in there with them a lot of times, but the staff has held, held the line, you know, and, and they've continued to serve. They've continued to show up. Um, we don't pay them a great deal. You know, most nonprofits have teams that they're there because of their hearts and they're not there because of, you know, the compensation. And so the team has been a blessing and, and I count it all, all as grace, you know, that the team has stayed well. Um, you know, our shelter hasn't come down with any um, large outbreaks or anything. And we're doing our part. But again, at the end of the day, it's for us, we just kind of lean in and say, okay, it's not our work. It's yours, God. And if we're going to continue to do this, then, 
you're going to have to keep as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, if somebody may get sick, uh, odds are somebody will get sick yeah. with the COVID virus. But um, we have a really good team, you know, and that's what I try to do in any staff meeting. I always remind them, this is what we're here for. You're not here because of what I'm paying you, but you're here because you want to do good for somebody in the community. And I think that always helps to remind everybody when they come together. And, and you know, it kind of makes it a little easier to get up every day and come come to work. Now, I will say internally we have put a lot of things in place. So sure. shields, barriers, masks, right. you know, Wash we clean constantly. We've got some crews coming in from the community, a couple of companies who clean on a regular basis. So. It's probably a lot cleaner than it was before the pandemic, <laughs> to be honest. So, so um, doing the most good is being smart, being responsible, listening to the experts, and yeah. then and arm yourself work. with faith yes. and go That's forward and do, and do what you can do. And you say lean in. I'm wondering, isn't it really, truly just aren't we realizing how dependent yeah. and how vulnerable and how faith <laughs> how faith dependent we are and have been we, we we've lied to ourselves that you know we can lie to ourselves yep. and go oh i'm you know not a worry in the world are you kidding yeah absolutely. and if in 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 you know maybe we don't we don't avoid the spiritual around sure. here right but maybe you're out there listening and you don't call it god yeah. right mm-hmm. maybe you call it something else yeah. but you know it's like yeah you got to depend that there's a better there's there's a higher sort of force of sure. for goodness at work yeah. um in the world and if you're tapping into that force for goodness That's then right. you know you're 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 adding a layer of protection around yourself sure. right and you can go forward with without fear yeah so yeah so but we don't shy away from God. well I, you know and, and i appreciate that and the way you you frame that whatever you call it i call it jesus yeah you know and 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 that and that's that's a beautiful thing too about you know you talk about salvation norm and how i came in it well that's part of who we are mm-hmm. you know that's part of why we don't have to shy away from you know saying mm-hmm. that we are people of faith mm-hmm. now, that's not for everybody and that's okay but what I will say, everybody wants to do good. Yeah. You everybody's know, got something to do. Your faith you would tradition. hope so. Right? Yeah. Everybody wants to do good. Everybody wants to see a better environment. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to see unity. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of our differences of faith and belief, we can still come together and we can still, you know, figure out how we can work together to make things better for everyone. So that's really kind of how I'm wired. And I'll work with anybody. Yeah. You know, if you, want, if you want to see something positive, then how do we make that happen? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not one to force my faith on anyone. I don't need to. Right. You know, I walk in a way that people will hopefully see right. um, that, that I have something deeper driving me. And I believe that's the correct way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Captain Yoakum, I, I've, I've got to tell you, you know, in a minute, I think our teens are going to want to talk to you about sure. ways that people can do good and, sure. and specifics and stuff like that. But so this past Saturday... Was it Saturday? Friday. It was Friday. Uh, Black we Friday. signed up to for yeah. a shift. And by the way, you know, I can't say this enough. If you are looking for a way to serve, going yeah. to the Salvation Army website, going through the registration process, I did it on my phone during a break at work. And, and you can't make it much easier for no, people. No, it is so Very easy. Simple, right? You pick your location and then you show up and someone, um, this amazing person shows up and they bring you your disposable apron yeah. and a bag with a bell mm-hmm. and everything's clean and ready to go and you have your mask on and I donned a Santa hat yeah. and it was good to go. Two hours of me ringing a bell. but And, and I felt like I was able to do some good yeah. and we collected some money. Yeah. But what, what amazed me was what I felt like when I put that red apron on. <laughs> I love it. I felt it was almost like I didn't have a uniform on like mm. you do, but I felt like I did have a uniform on or mm. something. You know, mm. I felt a sense of pride. That shield meant, I don't know, it was weird. Does that sound that. strange to you? Is it, I, I don't that. know, but the other po- podcasters here did the same thing. Yeah. It, for me anyway, it felt like 
Yeah, Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ringing that bell. Captain you know? Josh. Yeah. But can I ask a couple of questions? Please. First, <laughs> Josh had a silver bell. <laughs> this has been an issue. And I'm like, and I, in my brain, said, you know, he's rung before. You must work yourself up in the ranks. Like they had red what? bells, silver she had bells, a red bell. golden bells. You had red? Yeah. That's and hilarious. Susanna and Elijah both had red yeah. at yeah. their location. And Josh, I had, even Josh had silver. That. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, so there's a, there's a hierarchy. Well, Captain Yoakum is my friend. There you go. <laughs> there you go. No, it's Listen, okay. I had nothing to do with assigning the bell. So oh, I think though you, you need to think about this. The oh, other, I think give a thousand dollars, you could read the gold bell. No, 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 no. I think it's hours served, right? No, you serve ten hours, no, you get to read the silver bell. That's too funny. Yeah, so I think the Salvation Army should strategize that way. Can you tell she's competitive? The second thing, <laughs> yes. The second thing is, um, like. I think there should be a common. There should be like a prize for the person who brings the most okay, money. Okay, like yeah, we could work on that. Yeah. So because I would be out there, like you know, <laughs> ringing my bell every day. That's yeah. funny. So, I'm gonna get you a silver bell. Oh you, yeah, we're going back out on the 16th, right, John? You need a silver bell. Well, at least I had so much fun. Honestly, yeah. I've been like I. I think it would be something I'd like to do. And and I imagine for you all, I read, a, I saw a report on CBS News just yesterday where they said the Salvation Army is expecting a 50% yeah. drop Ugh. in donations to the Red Cattle yeah. campaign, which we should say that funds what? Well, it funds our operations year round, you know, and so any service that you can think of that the Salvation Army provides in a local community. Now in Johnson City and Bristol and in Kingsport, you know, the Appalachian Highlands is very unique in that we have so many units that are in close proximity. But so it's going to provide for our emergency shelter. It's going to pay for staff. It's going to pay for food. It's going to keep the lights on. Um, it's going to pay for blankets. And 86% of it is going to go directly into the work. And, and let me tell you this, since we're talking about the Salvation Army, it's a calling for me. And, and a lot of people don't know this. So as a Salvation Army officer, I don't own my home. I don't own my car. I live in a parsonage. I drive a fleet vehicle. Um, you know, I get an allowance is what we call it. Um, but uh, frankly, for for the time and energy that I put into what I do, it's – and I don't say that to ask for any sympathy or pity. I've chosen this this life. I've chosen this calling. Well, but, Captain Antoine, you went to school for social work. You but, didn't but, do it to be but, rich. But it's, it's important for people to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the CEO of the Johnson City Brands, mm-hmm. you know, technically speaking. You know, I'm not in this thing for money, and that's why I feel confident when I'm on anybody's panel talking that, no, literally, the majority of the dollars you give to the Salvation Army are going to go right back to our programming. And so it's going to pay for our shelter, our financial emergency services. So um, during the month of uh, uh, November alone, we probably spent out about $25,000, almost $30,000 in direct service. And what I mean by that is if somebody comes to us and they can't pay their rent, they can't pay their mortgage, um, they can't pay their utilities— we're literally going to pay um, probably a full month's rent, maybe more than that if we have the funding available. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give them gift certificates to buy groceries. Mm-hmm. It's really direct service to where individuals can continue to live and thrive in their own homes without mm-hmm. having to feel like, what am I going to do? I've got to focus on this. And so we're very proud of that, mm-hmm. that when folks come to us, we can actually help prevent homelessness. Mm-hmm. And that's why I frame it as homeless prevention, because there are individuals who have never had to come to us, who have come to us over the last several months and asked for assistance. Well, that's okay. 
Yeah. No questions asked. As long as you provide us a bill that's uh, valid, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, an invoice for your mortgage, then we're going to help you uh, get through this tough time. Okay. And so that's what your monies are going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and any kind of service that we provide, they're going to sustain our operation. And again, I'm very confident and, and very transparent. When you donate to the Salvation Army, nobody's getting a big kickback. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I drive a Ford Escape that's yeah, six years Yeah, your fleet vehicle was not <laughs> a Lexus. You know, I drive a Ford Escape that's six years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, my wife drives a minivan. And again, I don't say those things to ask for any kind of pity, but just to be transparent that when somebody gives us money, they can be confident that we're going to do the very, very most. We're going to do the most good with it. Excuse me. So, um, and Angel Tree as well. Tell us about Angel Tree. So Angel Tree right now, we're about a thousand kids behind as far as those kids that need to be adopted. In Johnson City, we'll do about 1600 children across the region. We'll do about 2600 children. And this time, normally, we've already got a good majority of those children who have been adopted returned, you know, and we'd like to have those back around this week because that gives us time to package them. It gives us time to have a tally of how many have not been adopted. Well, right now, we've only accomplished probably about 400 of those angels. Yeah. So what will happen is Angel Tree, it's going to happen. The kids are going to be served. So what will happen is money will come from something else. What will happen is we'll take money and we'll go out and we'll shop for the children. The real reason why we ask for people to adopt them, because we don't want to have to take money and reallocate it from other vital programs. Nonetheless, you know, children are going to be taken care of. You know, it's not going to be something where children just don't have Christmas. I'll be transparent in that. But it is one of those things that we're kind of like, oh, we need to figure out how to get people more engaged with this at this late in the game. And so the Angel Tree is also supported by bell ringing. You're asking, what does that support? It supports our Christmas program or Angel Tree programming. It's important work. And let me just tell you this. You know, I'm an Angel Tree recipient. You know, again, as a child in small town Kentucky, you know, we didn't have a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some Christmases where the only gifts I received were from Angel Tree, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. For me, it's it's much deeper than mm. this is a program that I'm running as a CEO. Right. Uh, you know, I've sat in the child, the seat of those children who, without the Angel Tree program, the Salvation Army, there would not be any gifts. Oh, now, wow. and it's not about gifts, but it's about the hope. Sure. Yeah. That the gifts provided, and I like to I like to distinguish between those two because some people say, "Oh, it's just materials; they don't need it." Well, yeah, mm. but it's a lot nicer to have something. Well, when you're a child, you have to have some material expression agree, of agree. love and goodness. And that's and that's what those gifts are. We talked about this last week <laughs> in our podcast episode nice. about Santa Claus, where I made everybody yeah. profess to believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> Which we already um, did. And so, <laughs> because he was hope that there was good in this because world. Because he, he was a he physical manifestation that children could see that said there's something out there working to for good for me. Yes. And so I'm a teacher teaches them to believe in goodness. It's powerful. Yeah, super powerful. The podcast episode was really probably one of our best. Yeah. So even though the title of it is the worst Christmas episode ever. <laughs> What's your deadline for Angel Tree? Because you have to cut the cut it off at some point. So I mean, our deadline ideally for an angel to be adopted is Friday. This Friday. How can we get that out there so people can really know? You need to emergency drop this podcast. No, and I think maybe we need to hand out angels at the kettle. We probably do. Um, you know, there's a process. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a process. It's not hard. It's not hard. So we put out a couple of press releases this week, just kind of getting the word out. And we started to have a little bit more traffic. The easiest way to support the angel tree is to go to our website, Uh salvationarmyjohnsoncity.org, salvationarmyjohnsoncity.org. And there's a link on our page that goes to our Walmart registry and they can literally go to the registry and 
they may have 50 bucks that they want to give to the angel tree. Well, they can go down, they can spend $50 on the registry buying stuff. And the nice thing is it is drop shipped right to our, our administrative offices. Right. Or if someone would rather go and shop in a traditional way, they can go to the Johnson City Mall. They can go to any Walmart in Johnson City and they can grab a tag and they can shop. And they can bring that bag back to our offices. So it's a very simple process. I think though people are afraid to go. I, I, it's the COVID effect. I think yeah. you, have, you have folks who just have so much going on. And, um, you know, I can't really pinpoint why the response has been so uh, low right now. But um, I think people are honestly – so I was having this conversation with um, one of my office team. And they were talking about wanting to adopt an angel. Yeah. But the process of just giving money so that the to Walmart, yeah. it, it was a disconnect for them. Yeah. They wanted to have that tag. They wanted to be able to say, I'm shopping for a 12-year-old boy. So that's still an option. And, 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 you know, they don't have to go to the registry. What the registry has done for us is allowed for those who – do not want to go out and shop. Right. They, they're able to do that. But if you go to the mall, if you go to any Walmart, your, the angel trees are there. So right. you can still pick up that tag and you can still go shop and, and provide Christmas for as many children that you would like. Yeah. Um, so the process is still the same. Um, okay. You know, there's some ideas that I have about maybe we we push the wet registry so much that some people have become a little, yeah. oh, I don't really want to do it that way. Whatever the case, there's still time to adopt. There's still time to get involved with the angel tree uh-huh. uh, so that we can help make, help make Christmas happen for so many children who are depending on it. Yeah, that's uh, that's heartbreaking yeah. to me. Like somebody, I mean, 2,600 kids and you've gotten 400 yeah. of them adopted? Oh. Yeah. Well, I, 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 yeah. I'm wondering if, you know, for me, I'm, I'm an old dude. I, I'm becoming more comfortable with buying things online it's becoming more i I see what you mean i think we're changing and i love what you're hearing what i'm hearing from you which is that's actually an awesome way to go yeah because it allows your staff to not have to be touching things that other people have gone out and touched Mm -hmm. it's it's literally as contact free as you can get to get that gift to a child it drop shifts to the Mm -hmm. salvation army Mm -hmm. and then if you're listening to this after that after the even after christmas you can give to the Salvation Army knowing that it's all kind of coming out of the same pot, right? Yeah. I mean, if you didn't get all your angels and you had to pull yeah. from another fund, you're helping that fund That's right. at any time you so, donate. And so what we do pre, pre-Christmas, if somebody sends a check and it's designated Angel Tree, then those dollars will absolutely be spent on Angel Tree. And so the way, the way our accounting processes work, if somebody sends us a $100 check, well, we're going to put that in a pot where we're going to immediately use that on our registry, and we're going to make sure that that's used for Angel Tree. If somebody wants to come after Christmas and they had, they forgot or didn't get a chance, that's going to go into our operational fund. Right. And it's still going to be used to providing services to the community, whether it be our homeless shelter services, financial assistance, whatever it might be. And so, um, yeah, we don't have separate funds for all the different programs. We just make it happen. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think we need to turn it over to our We teams. need to warn you. These teenagers play get, like to play games. Okay. They may ask you some questions. Like trivia, they're going to come in here. So just like brace yourself. Uh oh. So, well, are you, would you fight for a silver bell or a gold bell? <laughs> I do. I like. I'm all hey, about the hey, bell ranking. The, she could. You could pitch this to Salvation Army National. Bronze, silver, gold. Bronze, you know. I think, and I won't even expect to have any credit for it. See, I wasn't expecting to strategize during this podcast, but I, <laughs> I think we got to figure that one out. Okay, so this is Susanna. These are Elijah. This is Elijah, and you met them. Hey, By Elijah, the way, Susanna. I think they owe you an explanation about why they were drinking Starbucks when you rolled up. Because this has been a no explanation needed. <laughs> Just next time, have an extra cup for me. 
Good morning, Antoine. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Good. Should we call you Antoine or Captain? Antoine's fine. All right, Antoine. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, now now people listening know uh, on Friday, yeah, we we rang the bell at um, Hobby, Lobby. Hobby Lobby. It was hopping for yeah. Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. We had yeah. a good time, though. Yeah, it was really fun. It was like, it was fun and it went a lot faster than um, like a job you yeah do and stuff it was it was fun to see a lot of faces it's a lot of easier when you do it with someone else like have yeah, somebody yeah. To talk to you talk exactly. with and also and it was, it was something new something that we haven't done before yeah. and um it is it is fun to see yeah. um different faces and people going by so. i'm glad you guys came out yeah it was it was a cool experience and yeah i think so we're gonna yeah our this. fairy godfather did bring us starbucks <laughs> yeah my uncle <laughs> we're spoiled the saint he is um heard that we were out there and brought us starbucks yeah <laughs> it was awesome um so i just had uh the first thing was a question that i was wondering about sure. the salvation army kind of as an organization which is um do you see it changing at all in in the future adapting to whatever comes yeah. man that's a great question elijah um i hope so <laughs> you know you know, like any organization, there comes a time where you have to be evaluating how do you change to continue to meet the need. You know, economically, you, you talk about the status, the state of our economic um, culture with so many uh, who are not working, um, uh, you know, different policies economically that affect the ability for donors to give to make tax, tax, uh, tax free donation and that kind of thing. And that's a whole other conversation. But I think the Salvation Army is changing. Uh, we're trying to become more agile, trying to make it easier for the donor to support our organization, to support our work. Um, I'll just tell you this. The Salvation Army is a big organization. It's a big machine. Uh, we're in over 133 countries around the world. National headquarters is in London, England, or excuse me, international headquarters is in London, England. Our national headquarters is in Alexandria, Virginia, and my territorial headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia. So there's a lot of different layers all that to say, to answer your question, that I think the Salvation Army is changing and trying to figure out how to be more efficient. Um, in general, um, the way that we've gone about raising donations through mail appeal, through direct mail, um, those aren't as uh, successful anymore. You know, a lot of people don't open up mail when it comes in their, their mailbox anymore. And so we've got to figure out how to be more um, efficient. And I think the Army is changing. Now, uh, whether or not they're changing fast enough, um, I have my opinions on that. But um if I have anything to do with it, anywhere that I'm stationed or appointed, we'll be trying to change change how we do it. That's awesome. Yeah. How are you looking to um, maybe reach out to younger people, teenagers, yep. young adults? Are you? It's uh, a growing demographic. Is it yep. something that you're looking at and taking into account? Yeah. Well, you two are our future. Um, you know, Gen X and the millennials, uh, the younger. Millennials. Technically, I'm a millennial. Uh, <laughs> I don't really like the labels, to be frank. But um, just for sake of kind of identifying who we're talking about, you know, the way that I want to reach out and the way that I think the Army and any nonprofit needs to do, so we need to find a way to make sure that the younger uh, generations understand what we do. You know, if there's anything I've learned about younger people, uh, young adults, is that um, I haven't really met too many who don't want to do something positive. I haven't met too many young people who don't want to have a positive impact in their community. And so the way that I'm approaching it here locally, and I, I think that some of my counterparts are in other parts of the country, is we're trying to engage the younger demographic in our mission. You know, we're helping those who are hungry. We're helping those who are less fortunate. 
and you can help them right away. It's not just by making a donation. Um, right now, COVID has put a halt on it, but we invite people in to serve meals to the homeless. You know, we invite people in to volunteer in our family store to help us sort, help us stock things so that we can raise money for our shelter. We invite people in to bell ring, you know, to get out and ring the bell to help us raise money. So there's many ways that the uh, younger people can be involved in our mission. And the way that I'm doing is trying to have the conversation. You know, this is a great example. We just have to talk about it. Um, we're trying to engage more with our social media, you know, make it more apparent of what we're doing with yeah. the donations and how you can help even if you don't have money to give. I think that's a big mistake of many nonprofits is that we don't really talk about how to engage those who don't have the extra money to give, you know, and I think, I think more importantly than money, a lot of times it's just the engagement because those who don't have the discretionary funds now, 15, 20 years, chances are they'll have some extra money that they may want to give to an organization that they know is literally doing the best work or doing work that's admirable and worthy to support. Yeah. So it's about getting teens to take the first step. Or not just teens, anyone that wants to do good but doesn't know where to go. Yeah. So I've got a fun question. Who counts all the kettle money? <laughs> Who counts all the kettles? Uh, we have a team of volunteers. Uh, this year, it's less volunteers because of COVID. So we have staff who spend probably a few hours every day counting our money and getting everything reconciled. And then we go make that deposit to the bank. Okay. Do they have to do it by hand or do you have machines? Oh, it, it, I mean, there's not really an easy way to count money. It's by hand. You know, you have you have cash sorters and coin coin counters, but it's all got to be counted by hand eventually. As you can imagine, you got a buck and all the cash is thrown in there. And rainy days are the worst because, you know, you get rain, rain and moisture in the kettles, but all the money's got to be straightened out. It's got to be sorted. And then it's counted by hand and then it's verified by a cash, cash counter. So, yeah, it's by hand. It's wow. cool. I can't imagine yeah. how long wow. that takes. It's, it's, it's truly a labor. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a good labor. We're grateful for the donation mm-hmm. and the community support. So we're, we're glad to do it, but it takes some time to do that. Because every penny helps, right? What's that? Because every penny helps, right? Every penny helps, absolutely. And, and I always say, listen, it doesn't matter what you can give. Just give something. Uh, it's about the volume. You know, it's not about the size of the gift as much as it is about the volume, the amount of people who give. Yeah. yeah. So I want your take on how important teen leadership is in communities just in general listen these are great questions i'm impressed uh that's a solid question that team leadership is vital you know uh, leadership is not being in charge it's about influence and so when you're able to influence and galvanize people around you to do uh, what you need them to do that's team leadership you know, it's not about telling people what to do. It's about casting the vision and demonstrating how we can achieve it together. And so team leadership is vital. I mean, if you don't have someone who's selling the vision and then showing how to achieve that vision, then you have a team that fall apart, yeah. you know. And then the relationships within the team, you know, those are so essential. It takes time to build a good team, you, you know. And, and, you know, part of what I do for my leadership is I roll up my sleeves as much as I can. Because at the end of the day, when I'm not on the scene, I need to know that what the vision is has still been carried out, you know. And so anything that you do when it comes to team leadership, just make sure that you're willing to do what you're asking your subordinates to do or the team leaders to do. And then your influence will go much further than you having to be in the room. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, A huge thing that we talk about is uh, the leadership um, and effects that teenagers can uh, have on the world. But you brought up... Uh, when you were talking with them um, about family structure yeah. and how uh, a big problem is deteriorating family structures. Yeah. What can teens do in either healthy um, family structures to preserve it 
or teens in unhealthy family structures can do to yeah. promote healthiness? Uh, that's another great question, Elijah. I guess you've done this a time or two. Uh, <laughs> so what, what I would say, first and foremost, um, family is not necessarily biological, right? You know, and, uh, you know, I had many people who God placed in my life at a young age to influence me, to encourage me, uh, to um, build self-esteem in me, you know, to help me see things that I couldn't see myself. And I consider those people, many people, family members. Now, we may not talk every day, but, you know, there's that admiration and closeness that we have if we pick up the phone and talk, you know. So I'll first say that, you know, family is who you make it, you know, and, and I hope that's not too cliche. Um, so for those those individuals who may listen or who may have a similar background to mine, who were raised in a single parent home and who maybe didn't have necessarily the support or structure that is ideal, you know, when we talk about a nuclear family, um, that's okay. Um, I don't think that really has to affect the impact that you can have on on this world. Now, when we talk about how to sustain a family structure, I don't know that um, uh, children or people who aren't parents can necessarily do a whole lot to sustain the family structure. But I, I think they can demonstrate what's valuable to them. And really what's valuable in the family structure is that connection, that closeness, that support. Right. Those are all the things that a family provides to individuals and to young people and to children is number one, love and compassion. Right. Uh, support. You know, a self-esteem, all those things that we need at a young age to help identify our path or our track. Those are the things that you get from a family. So as a young person, I think if those are things that you're not finding within your family structure, you honor your family, of course, first and foremost. But I think there's so many ways nowadays to find that support. Maybe it's through a support group. Maybe it's through a small group. Um, but you got to be open for that. You know, and I think, <clears throat> yeah, I, I got to be careful because we could talk all day about this, but. I think one of the challenges that I see, you know, um, with the deterioration of relationships in our culture and when we talk about family structures is that we're so connected digitally, but yeah. there's so much power in having these conversations right across the table from one another. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lost art, you know, especially when you talk about family bonds. You know, it's, I, I mentioned how I try to go home every day during kettle season to at least sit down at the table and have a meal. And we may not talk forever, but I'm there. You know, I'm there for those moments. I can pick up my daughter, yeah. give her a hug. I can, you know slap my son across the neck, you know, you know, just something just to let him know that I love him. You know, I'll text him here and there say, Hey, I love you. Cause you know, I, I'm gone a lot, you know, yeah. now I'm sleeping in the same house, but it's much different when we get to sit down and just be, you know what I mean? And exactly. So uh, that's a long answer to your question, but I, I just think it's so much about what is it that you need and where do you find that? Yeah. You know, where are the positive places you can find that for me, it was a faith community, you know, and uh, for others, it might be a, a, a teacher or a role model in the school setting. You know, and you got to open up and be vulnerable about that. I think that's something that we're not encouraged to do as much in today's society. We want to be closed off. We got to figure it out ourselves. But, you know, even today at 36 years old, there's so many people that I reach out to on a regular basis and say, hey, how should I do this? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how should I, how would you do this? Yeah. What do you think about this idea? And I allow them to be honest with me. They say, sometimes they say, Antoine, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> and I say, okay, well, how would you do it? And so, yeah, that's how I find family support, and that's how I would encourage any young person to, to find support and encouragement. Reach out to people. Find a way that you can be encouraged in a group or small setting, small group setting, and yeah. Surround so. yourself with people that you want to call your family and put them first. Mm -hmm. that's, you you rephrased it very well. Like, <laughs> I should have just said that. <laughs> There's your answer. Quote it. <laughs> um. uh, I'm wondering how many hours have you spent ringing that little bell? So, man, I've rang bells since I was young. 
Um, I'd go out and I'd play my horn. I'm a trumpet player. I'd play my trumpet. Um, I probably need to get out sometime this 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 year uh, to play my horn. Um, I, I can't put a number on it. Countless hours. <laughs> Countless mm, hours. Countless. Uh, I usually try to get out every season at least do three or four hours, you know, just to break up the monotony of paperwork and paper pushing. But it's hard to put a number on. I bring a lot of, a lot yeah. of hours. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah, we were talking about the bells and the you get used to just hearing it for you know, hours. If, I, what I would tell people if they play an instrument or if they sing or they do something, you know, that people wouldn't pay them to be quiet for, <laughs> then, uh, they should do it. And so, a lot of times I go out, I'll, I'll play my guitar, I'll play my horn, or I'll do something that's different, and it helps me. Can you too. do that other than yeah, other than- yeah. I've done that from time to time. I played my, my trumpet here. I guess I was at Food City for a couple of hours and just playing Christmas tunes. And it's amazing when people get out of their car and they hear that. You know, they, they make a straight line right to the kettle. Thank you for not ringing the bell. <laughs> That's so probably pretty lucrative, showcasing yeah. talent instead yeah, of just uh, ringing the bell. Yeah, it would be like street performance, but yeah, for charity. Exactly what it is. That's yeah. that's cool. That's cool. I, I didn't know that you could do that. Yeah, yeah you can play your guitar. Um, do we have time for trivia? Yep. Christmas a trivia few, time. You few? few? Okay. Very quickly. All right. All right. Let's, my questions are mostly based off of movies and songs, so we'll see what you know. Okay. Okay. What's the most played Christmas movie of all time? Christmas movie? Uh, the Christmas Story. Nope. It's a Wonderful Life. I knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go all right. Uh, here is... Okay, this is a might be hard, might be easy. I don't know. Uh, in the 1964 classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, what was the name of Rudolph's faithful elf companion? Oh my goodness! I know this. Oh, pass. All right. Doesn't it start with an H, like Herbie or Herbie? It's, it's Hermie. 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 That's uh, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always watch it like one. He knew that one too. Okay, what is the name of the town of the Grinch? Stole all the gifts from. I'm horrible at this. My da- <laughs> my daughter would know. Um, what was the name of the town? The Grinch. I got to go watch some Christmas movies to refresh. I don't know. <laughs> Whoville. Whoville. I almost said that. Yeah. Okay. On the tip of your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what well-known Christmas carol became the first ever song ever broadcasted from space in 1965? Oh my! These are hard. Yeah, these are hard ones. Um. It's like really Christmas? famous. Really famous. White Christmas? Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells. I would have guessed Jingle Bells. That was my Bells. next guess. Yeah. Um, in the 12 days of Christmas, what is given on the 10th day? Ten. Na, 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 na. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's Lords of Leaping. I don't like this. Why I knew that would be hard. Me? Come on. <laughs> uh, let me see. I... We have time for one more. Uh, Pick an easy one. Okay, what's the oh. name of the main character in Elf? Buddy. Yes. 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 We'll end on that note. Will um, Ferrell. But uh, just to wrap things up, uh, where can people find you personally? And also, where can people find Salvation Army and uh, its different affiliates? Yeah, so um, people can find the Salvation Army. You can go to our social media page, our Facebook page. pretty active there. Um, also go to our website, SalvationArmyJohnsonCity.org. 
any information that you might need on how to support, how to donate, uh, how to volunteer, what our services are, you can find there. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm around uh, working on two years, just still trying to network. Relationships are so important. You know, you talked about team leadership before, but, you know, you got to have relationships. Um, Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, if anybody's in any other parts of the Tri-Cities or elsewhere, you can always Google the Salvation Army National site, type in a zip code you can find your local chapter to see how you can help and support them. Anybody in the Tri-Cities, um, go to Christmas2020.org, especially over the next couple of weeks, if they want to get involved with the Angel Tree or ring the bell or help us with our Christmas efforts. Awesome. Yeah. And like Captain Antoine Yoakum said, and as he does, we encourage anyone and everyone to roll up their sleeves during this season and do some good. And thank Perfect. you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Great job. It was Great a good ending. time. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks so much for listening to Doing Good, the podcast. And you can find us if you'd like to hear more at our website at we'redoinggood.com or on Facebook or Instagram at We're Doing Good. So please like our pages and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We all have something that we can be doing. So just take the first step. Everybody show some love and do some good. Have a great day.